welcome everyone to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners. My name is Mike Went. And I'm Aaron Spears. And this episode's challenge, Mike, you picked last time and it was the Criterion Collection. Yes. And the Criterion Collection for many of us cinephiles has seemingly become like the standard for for home video oh yeah um and uh it as i'll discuss later is sometimes i'll just buy them uh without having seen the movie just just hearing uh, about it or you know just getting their steal of approval sometimes is enough to make me buy it and even though they're they're a little more expensive than your average um right. blu-ray or dvd <laughs> They do have like a couple times a year. It seems like they have like a 50% off. Oh, yeah. Sale that I, I generally see the email like a day too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's it's usually February and November at Barnes & Noble. Usually is oh, like that's what it 50%. is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe not officially them, but through one of their largest distributors. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, so I, I thought of a couple of questions I want to ask you about you know, our, our relationship with the Criterion Collection as, as lifelong film geeks. But- I wanted to start off, Mike. Have you ever seen a bad Criterion film? I, n- not really. Uh, I mean, there. <laughs> I mean, there <laughs> I are like some laws. Uh, says a yeah. lot. <laughs> well, I, I had to think for a second. I mean, right, right, right. there. Are, I mean, I think there are some, you know, classics that can, on some surface, for some people, be boring or uh, or quote unquote boring you yeah, know you um say like it, this is no disrespect to um you know uh, uh <laughs> gosh i can't think of his name but um solaris or something like that you know i mean, I mean sure. that that film for some people can be a mind-blowing masterpiece for some it can be a eternal slog uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh i mean same with um his uh stalker you know, it oh, is, sure. uh, I, I took my wife, uh, to see stalker like restoration a couple years ago. And I feel like she was getting ready to break up with me, uh, after <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> having to sit through it. So, but, but no, I mean, I think, I mean, there is a reason for, for many of these films that, that get on there, yeah. uh, because they're revered. Most of them, you know, are revered classics or some of them are just, uh, you know, maybe the rights lapsed from, from a previous company. So right. they swoop in and they, they spruce it up and they, they give you all these great special features and nice packaging and all that. Well, that's where it comes in for me. Cause I've definitely had a few that I've purchased. I think, you know, I think we're safe picking on stalker cause you know, it's, it's arguably a brilliant film, but yeah. not for everyone's <laughs> taste. I get it. That was one that I, you know, I was like, I need, I need to watch this. You know, I, I should have <laughs> seen this and I got it. It was years ago and I watched it. And then I was like, and because there's that expectation, you're popping into Criterion Disc. One, I love that there's no bullshit. It just goes right to like their menu. Right. Great feature in the in the early days of DVD with all the unskippable bullshit that you couldn't get past. <laughs> I always appreciate that. But then, you know, it starts up and there's that expectation of like, this is Criterion. This is going to blow me away. So like I have this internal hype in my head of like, I push play on a Criterion movie. It better, you know, rock me a little bit, you know? Yeah. And that one I was like, okay it looked really good and then you know as i dove in like you mentioned the the special features i dove into some of the special features making of blah 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 and it gave me the context that when i've watched it i think one more time since then i was like oh i feel like i get it 
Yeah. So it might be one of those where like you do want the context before you see the movie if you're like unfamiliar with Russian cinema in that particular era or something and you buy it, you trust you trust the label, you may want to start with some of the uh, special features to kind of like get you in the right context and in the right mood for it. I mean, it's very possible you you do all that and be like, yeah, this is still not for me. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think I think arguably it's not a bad film. It's just like not you know that person's you know type of film, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's interesting as you know, getting ready for this episode, just looking at the history of the the films that they tend to release. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they were at first they. I mean, they were known as being a Laserdisc company yeah. uh, almost exclusively. They It says that they did release like three or four films on VHS and beta. I wrote but, that down too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I they, want to own a Betamax Criterion Collection yeah. uh, title before I go. <laughs> yeah, but apparently they didn't sell well. But um, there is a, a gentleman that I know who works at one of the production companies here, and he has a large like very large collection of criterion laser discs and it's oh, amazing. Nice. Like yeah. he has a lot of them in um, these uh, frames, but uh, you know, like the original, that's where you can see the original star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Um, unedited. Touch. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I believe spine number one for that, for the criterion laser disc was citizen Kane yeah. uh, probably appropriately. So, but yeah, it, it's just like, I mean, it's so cool, like how they've been able to kind of elevate movie watching and looking on Letterboxd, there's so many young filmmakers or, or young film fans or aficionados mm-hmm. who have probably seen way more in the collection than I have just because there there are so many more available, but they, you know, some of these people, I don't, do they have jobs? Do they have uh, <laughs> significant others? I don't know, but uh, they, they tend to just hammer all these because they're solely on the criterion collection. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, that was actually my first, uh, I wanted to ask you about your first encounter um, yeah. with the Criterion Collection. Mine, since you mentioned Laserdisc, I was early on and still am. Uh, Martin Scorsese was my gateway into like film history and really getting into film like in a serious way. And there was a local video store, the one I actually ended up working at later on when I got older. I rented a Laserdisc player because they had those for rent and they had a very limited Laserdisc collection. But as it dwindled down, what was basically left, you know, and there was like 30 of them left, it was just yeah. their Criterion editions because they would rent. And there was a population that was like, you know, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> I'll buy these from you if you, got, if you want to get rid of them. But also, like, we will, uh, we will grab these. Um, so I rented a, a Pioneer Laserdisc mm. player and I got a Taxi Driver. Nice. And that was also a first instance of, like, the, um, the commentary track. Yeah, I was not getting that on my VHS collection. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I I cannot afford a Lasers player, you know, (laughs) part time gig in in high school. And I was like, holy. Also, it was on its way out by that time. But did you do you have a a first? uh, Yeah, see, I my family was never we never had a laser disc player. So I I almost feel like I'm slightly deprived in that in, (laughs) in that way. But. I I will say I was probably a little late later to the to knowing about the collection, but the pretty much my gateway was Royal Tenenbaums oh, um, nice. yeah. because at the time, and I think it still is the case pretty much, um, all the Wes Anderson films have made their way pretty much to the collection. So that that was the first, and then I believe um, Life Aquatic. Mm-hmm was um 
was maybe the next, you know, so it's like that, that's how I kind of got familiar with the brand. And then I kind of started going off the deep end in college when yeah. I <laughs> really started to yeah, <laughs> know more about this uh, label. There was a time. Wait a minute. Did I say taxi driver? Yeah. Fuck. No, it was Raging Bull. I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> I was picturing black and white in my head, and I was like, I don't know if did I say taxi. I don't know if that's, like, that's good or not. Raging Bull. Um. Yeah. Sorry. Uh. Yeah. There was a time when I was trying to start. Like it was my first job. Job. It's just a shitty factory job out of college, and I was like, you know, I have some, I have I have more money than I need for my shitty apartment here with my fiance <laughs> at the time, and I was like, I'm gonna start buying all the Criterion collections I can. Um, and that didn't, that didn't last too long, but I was buying them like we, you know, when new stuff would come out yeah. um, at the local store, at the local bookstore, actually, I would try to buy as much as I could, which is actually the bulk of my, I mean, it's very meager criterion collection stuff, but there was a run there in the, well, we'll get into it in a minute, but there's a run in the two hundreds where no, I, was, I was buying a lot of stuff on, on DVD. No, that's pretty, pretty impressive. I, I think I probably have, I mean, a little over 125, maybe I like, I, I'm very selective sometimes, but, um, Oh I, no, no, that, that beats me. I'm saying I have like maybe 50 or 60 total. Oh, okay. The, the, okay. The spine, number, the spine number was in the two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's also, um, I think as film geeks too, we appreciate like it's, um, it's a celebration of preserving the movie as the filmmakers intended to, which yeah. obviously if you're listening to this, you're probably already a Criterion fan. This is not news to you, but uh, the preservation of it alone, I think, is worth the money if you can afford it, uh, like I said, or wait for those half off deals. But also they have such amazing like the one I picked for today has got like not one, but two commentary tracks <laughs> on it that uh, I have only listened to one. But I was like, damn. All right. Um, I mean, it's not Boogie Nights level where there's what what is he's got like nine different commentary. Oh, tracks yeah. It's so. Nights, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that was also really, uh, really handy. And I love the fact, too, that in the era of streaming, they're still dedicated to physical media. Obviously, Criteria Channel is an amazing streaming uh, service, but I like holding those in my hand. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I actually, at, you know, maybe if down the line this this podcast gets some traction and, and we can get guests, like I would love to have somebody from the Criterion Collection go go behind like all Ooh, their, yes. like how do they negotiate the titles? How do they, you know, how do they pick what comes out when, you know, cause yeah. it's, uh, you know, as you said, Raging Bull was your first and they just announced that they're putting that out now uh, on 4k uh, Blu-ray oh, yeah. and everything. So, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm a sucker and I will definitely <laughs> buy that one. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a double dip or triple. I don't know. I don't know yeah. how many copies of that. One. I just actually, uh, I'm looking for that on VHS right now just to fill out my, uh, my full collection, but, um, the completest yeah. it's, you know, it's in there. It's in there. Um, any, uh, any, uh, quick shout outs, honorable mentions you got Mike before we get to our picks. Yeah. So, um, when, when approaching this episode, uh, you know, like I said, I, I've purchased certain ones that I've just, I, I have on my shelf. I just never really watched. It was just kind of one of those things force a habit or also just like this weird thing. If like, Oh, if this film friend comes over and, and sees that I don't have this on my shelf, are, are they going to judge me or something? Oh, like that? The, the peer pressure titles. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one of the ones that uh, I almost finally watched, but was the uh, is another Tarkovsky film, and I I, I don't hate Tarkovsky uh, for anybody who might be hearing right, right, this. No, yeah. But um, <laughs> I did recently purchase 
his last, I or I believe it's like his second to last film, Mirror. Okay. Or, or uh, I'm sorry, definitely not. Uh, 1975, Mirror. From all intents and purposes, I've heard it's it's his most accessible film, and also it's uh it is a double disc. It uh it seems like oh, nice. it's very deluxe uh is in far as far as the um as far as like the special features go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one that I bought was it was like one that I went to multiple stores to find, even though I have yet to watch it and I almost feel embarrassed <laughs> saying so, but it is police stories one and two with uh, Jackie Chan. I, I just didn't realize those were on criteria. Oh my God. That's awesome. Oh yeah. It's a, and it's a double, you know, you get both movies in the same package. Awesome. It's once again, it's, it's got Jackie Chan's face in this like kind of nice painting rendering. And uh, yeah, yeah. you know, that that's definitely one that, I will watch it at the right moment. Like I'm feeling right. that's like a good summer double feature kind of thing. Oh God. Yeah. You that's know? totally true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> uh, so I picked out one. I, I couldn't afford when I was in college, but I, I, I got it from the, the film department. We, they had a small um, collection on VHS and DVD and a few 60 millimeters, but they had the criterion of slacker. Mm. Uh, two disc and that i know that's such a cliche like i'm in film school <laughs> film history yes. still uh and i'm just constantly checking out slacker to watch again and again speaking of the special features um uh, so anyway i ended up you know once i had so many i was like it's one of the first ones i remember buying with that job job i referenced earlier i was like <laughs> yeah getting slacker so that one um i grabbed uh, because it comes it has like you know the the booklets that come in these two like oh yeah like solid you know it's, it's like a zine almost really it's it's multi it's several pages long but it also has Richard Linklater's first feature film that he like wrote, shot, starred in, edited, produced everything uh, called It's Impossible to Learn to Plow by Reading Books. Oh, and man. Just being a uh, Linklater fanatic, as you mentioned before, with Tarkovsky, I could see you could you could screen this movie for anybody and they'd be like, what are <laughs> we watching? This dude doesn't talk. He just rides trains and hangs out. What is going on? But being a Linklater fanatic, I was like. Oh my god! I finally get to watch this. He started on like Super Eight. Um, yeah, you know, that's that's uh, that's Criterion for you. You know, they find this three thousand dollar you know Super Eight film that this filmmaker made. You know, when he's just starting out, and also convince him to release it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's one of those you watch it. You're like, mm, yeah, you got famous and you did a lot better work, but it's good you got this one out of your system early on, probably. But you know, he was comfortable putting that up publicly, and I was like, okay, this is pretty amazing. And you don't get that if you're just buying that on you know Slacker on VHS back in the day. You're not going to get. Um, oh yeah, and, and like the major studios when they put out their Blu-rays now, like they almost have zero, nary any special features. Oh yeah, it's like maybe a three-minute featurette that they put on like LinkedIn or something. Oh or, yeah, know? exactly, exactly. And it it's so generic and stuff. And yeah, they're it, just so concentrated on the streaming part of it. It's almost like oh, we have to still do physical media. Fine, we'll make a, a Blu-ray. <laughs> Um, and then the other one is I, I went with, I wanted to get a documentary in as well. And there's oh, yeah. one that just like bowled me over when I watched it. It's uh, Orson Welles one called F for fake mm. uh, from 75, which if you haven't seen it, it's one of those you just need to go into watching it cold. It's about like a, I know I just said to go in cold. And I'm going to say something about it, but um, it's about art forgery. But then Orson Welles is also like doing magic tricks and talking about <laughs> illusions and this idea of like what authorship is and what authenticity is. And he's just, he's fucking with you for like an hour and a half. It's great. <laughs> it's really, really great. That, that is, I, uh, once again, another ashamed admission that is, or admission. It's one that I own 
but I oh, have really? not, I have not watched yet. I, I just, it's like kind of like this Orson Welles completist and sure. I, I will watch it when the time is right. <laughs> <laughs> and you will enjoy it. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what film did you end up ultimately picking for this week's episode? Well, I, so I picked a shame pick, I think, as we mentioned on the previous episode, um, <laughs> this one was legit still wrapped in plastic when i opened it <laughs> the other day <laughs> so like we mentioned it was one of those like yes i own it i needed to own it i know i needed to have seen it before now um I, it felt great to actually crack open that wrapper and put it in the player it is uh monty hellman's two lane blacktop Ooh. from 1971 spine number 414 for uh, any criterion fanatics out there they're not for you they're just a bunch of small town car freaks that's all they are They've been following me clear across two states. Three states. Sure we'll race. You're damn right we'll race. For pink. Pink slips? You mean for cars? Where to? You name it. Washington, D.C. After D.C., we'll go on down to Florida. I've got some nice beaches down there. Just color me gone, baby! We ought to get some action soon. We'll need Fred to do a little work on the carburetors and check out the rear end. I want air conditioning. I want air conditioning, huh? I don't want a key, though. Put a roll bed. I don't like being crowded by a couple of punk road hogs clear across two states. If I wanted to bother... I can suck you right up my tailpipe. Now, this man's dangerous, officer. He passes on the right a couple of miles back. I swear he's going about 90. He must be on something. Take it easy, man. You're going to kill us. Uh, you've got James Taylor. Yeah, that James Taylor, the singer, <laughs> uh, playing the driver. You've got Dennis Wilson. Yes, the Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys playing <laughs> the mechanic. Warren Oates, the man himself, uh, several Monty Hellman pictures. He plays GTO, the name of the car he drives, <laughs> and then Lori Bird is the girl. So, like, you kind of get an idea of what we're doing here. The main characters are the driver, the mechanic, GTO, and the girl. And it's possibly, like, one of the – I mean, I'd put it in, like, top five. It's one of the ultimate road movies. It's it's uh, kind of a cross-country – it is a cross-country road race, but yeah. it's not done in, like, Cannonball Run style. It's done in Amani Hellman style, where it really gets into – I mean, it really fetishizes the cars, the engines, the gearheads that work on this sort of stuff. They pick up, they, they make a, li- well, I make a living is a little strong. They make ends meet. They, they pay their <laughs> way as they go by go- doing, you know, like late night um, illegal street racing on the two lane blacktop. And uh, so you get to see some street racing there. I wouldn't say it's like, uh, like a French connection or a bullet. Like it's not like a car chase movie, Sure, but it's definitely like a car movie. And it's really kind of about the journey. And uh, I, was sort of floored with the ending, not in like a uh, twist ending M night Shyamalan kind of way, but just like, wait, 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 wait. And then I had to, I skipped back two chapters to watch, you know, the build up to it again. I was just like, <laughs> fucking love this movie. Holy cow. So high expectations for sure. Going in. I adore Monty Hellman. Uh, the, I've seen, you know, five or six of his movies and I, yeah. really, I like a lot of them. Uh, if not love them, I really dig his style. I love War Notes because my cockfighter is one of my favorite Monty Hellman ones. <laughs> Tulane Blacktop has now eclipsed that. But uh, it's just, it's uh, one of those, that I, so I'm going with high expectations. It's on Criterion. It's a director I like. It's actors I'm very curious about, if not a fan of. And it still topped out those expectations. And wow. I was like, holy crap, that was, uh, that was a watch. 
I I'll have to be honest. I have I'm not really familiar with uh, his filmography. I've only read in the last three or four years. Maybe I've been like it's a it's a big six, six, late sixties seventies gap that I've been slowly filling in. But I know there's only so many. Yeah. So um, like um, oh, who's the guy you referenced? Somebody a couple episodes ago. I've been slowly. Uh, Larry Cohen. Mm, yeah uh, with original gangsters um he <laughs> only has so many movies that he directed and i've been slowly sprinkling in like the 70s and some of the crazy 80s ones so i was like i don't want to rush through this but i saw the one q with like a flying dragon oh yes people, yes and it was just like so bonkers i was like i need to see some other stuff that does. And of course <laughs> Vin Vin's put out a bunch but anyway um yeah so monty hellman i'm, I'm very slowly now because i only have so many more left that he uh, directed that i can get access to at the moment so uh, slowly work my way through, but two lane blacktop. If you have not seen it, um, I don't know if it's on the channel right now, but you can buy the physical media and it's there. You get a, um, I don't think there's like a making of documentary, but there's two commentary tracks. Like I mentioned, there's uh, a bunch of interviews, which are kind of explain the making of yeah. There's a whole documentary on just one of the cars. It's a 57 Chevy. That's all souped up. Um, thanks to, thanks to Dennis Wilson or, you know, actually the techs who worked on it and versus this GTO. So there's one whole little documentary all about how they restored this 57 Chevy to, you know, to use in the film. I think there's a few of them that they used. But um, so, yeah, even if you're not interested in the movie itself, there's a documentary about one of the cars in the movie. That's how <laughs> thorough this label is. It's awesome. Yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> so what was your pick, Mike? What was your criterion pick for this episode? Yeah. So um, once again, I uh, it, it was a uh, out of the wrapper. Uh, right. It was on my <laughs> on my shelf. And part of the reason why I, uh, before I reveal what it was, like, uh, you know, part of the reason why I uh, picked this particular title was a few years ago at the Cleveland Film Festival, I worked for the Greater Cleveland Film Commission. So we uh, sponsored a film. We sponsored a film about Hal Ashby, um, which was a documentary. So I, uh, after that, I was like, I got to collect all his films (laughs) and everything. And I, you know, sometimes there's always this weird timing with movies sometimes like sometimes like it'll i'll hear about it and then like honestly like the next month it'll be playing at the cinematheque or something or whatever Mm -hmm. so uh after sponsoring this hal movie uh criterion announced that shampoo was coming to the collection so uh my pick is shampoo uh which was um directed by mr Ashby and it was written by um, Robert Town and Warren Beatty and stars Warren Beatty. I go into that shop and they're so great looking, you know, and I and I I'm doing their hair and they feel great and they smell great. That's it. It makes my day. I mean, it makes me feel like I'm going to live forever. Columbia Pictures presents Shampoo. It's the story of a Beverly Hills hairdresser named George. 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 George is great. Yeah, George is great. And all the beautiful people he does. Listen, you're great. I thought you were great. Baby, you're great. What about me? You're great. Slow down. You move too fast. Very weird, George. I know, baby. But you're great, baby. Believe me. You are great. You got to make the morning last. I've had these dreams lately. What dreams? Somebody gets me, and they throw me around the room, and I try to run away. Kicking down. You're my mother's hairdresser. Yeah. You want to flick up the fun and feel them groovy? Oh, baby. 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 Oh
It's a very uh, unique film, I would say, and probably very much of its time. I I don't know how modern, like some modern audiences may not respond to it that greatly, uh, you know, like, because there's certain like the way how some of the things are said, like they basic, okay, he's a hairdresser in the, in the film right. and everybody thinks like he's gay. So there's like sometimes derogatory terms uh, thrown out there about him, but it, it mostly takes place over the course of one day, which is uh, election day, 1968, oh, yeah. where uh, Richard Nixon is, uh, you know, on the verge of, of winning the presidency mm-hmm. and Warren Beatty's character is, as I said, a, a a hairdresser who happens to be also a Lothario. You know, he, yeah. he has, you know, multiple lovers and he addresses each of them in this, <laughs> in the, in the course of this day. I mean, I, I would say it is fairly a funny film, but it, it's not, maybe not like funny, haha, more kind of funny. Oh, that's clever right, kind, right. kind of thing. I mean, Looking at the the filmography of of Hal Ashby, uh, who, who had this amazing run in the seventies that you know started with, uh, I believe it was called um, the Landlord, and then yeah. he had you know like Harold and Maude and did he do the oh, last gosh. detail? Yeah, last detail. Yeah, yeah. Then he did Shampoo. Then he did uh, uh, Bound for Glory and um, Coming Home. Yeah, and being there, which I think three of those films. Uh, are on the Criterion Collection. So Shampoo being there, or I'm sorry, Shampoo being there and um, Harold and Maude Maud, yeah. uh, are on the, on the collection. It was great to finally see this. And, you know, I think uh, it was the first time that uh, Beatty had, had tried to write a script and uh, he's so kind of charming in the film. And uh, I also really like, I, I, I love Jack Warden's character in this. Um, like I think oh, towards yeah. his, Towards his later years, like was. he was in a bunch of comedies, like mm-hmm. like Problem Child, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I actually just recently rewatched. I you know we had family over, and it was just we had to just put on a movie, so we picked the replacements with uh, Keanu Reeves and oh, Jack. War- yeah, yeah <laughs> okay. Jack Warden plays like the owner, you know the the bad owner, but yeah, it, it was definitely um, great to finally check this off. To, to just see it, it you know i don't know if it lived up to my 
lofty expectations, but it, it was still uh, enjoyable. Now, the special features on this aren't as thorough as as the typical Criterions, possibly because most of the major players have passed away. But oh. there is a very lengthy uh, interview with Warren Beatty that is that was very uh, entertaining. Nice, nice. Yes, there's not commentaries or tracks. Or no, no. Nice. It, I mean, probably because Ashby's been dead yeah, for almost you know, 25, technology. 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Ashby's a really fascinating director. I I like Shampoo a lot. I didn't go into it with super high expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I'd read, like, I think in, um, what's the book? Uh, Easy Riders, Raging Bulls. Oh, yeah. He, wrote. He, he, goes, he, he tracks Beatty through this era. And you're like, knowing some of Beatty's, um, let's say, personal relationships yeah. yeah it's not surprising that he's able to really pull off this like you said kind of like Lothario, like hairdresser guy who like everybody assumes is safe to leave with their with their wives or their girlfriends or their mistresses to do their hair because he's gay what's he gonna do and you're like well, right yeah that's the perfect setup for warren Beatty in the 60s let me tell you well and you know if, if you've seen and i know obviously you have but um you know for any of our audiences if you see licorice pizza there's definitely uh the character of uh john peters uh mm. that's played by um bradley cooper i think uh was the inspiration for this shampoo character so oh yeah. uh, because he's i think <laughs> in licorice pizza that you know he he was a hairdresser himself so yeah that the tone in that movie and this movie yeah that tracks <laughs> yeah <laughs> well <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but it, like because ashby's stuff i think because like there is on the criterion and he's a very celebrated director and that documentary i think you mentioned um you, you did mention Hal the documentary yeah it's really great but i He's not a director like Scorsese in this era. I mean, like he's he's got this like humanist touch where he can bring these characters like just so vividly to life. Yeah, do really interesting character studies within these genres. And in this one, like a late six, well, it's set in the late sixties, but it's definitely like a seventies sex comedy that should be totally dismissible. And like this should just be like um, I almost say like a John Ritter Three's Company type slapstick comedy, <laughs> right. like comedy of errors. But like no, there's like there's real heart and there's pathos to it when um the way the way it kind of pays off. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like he de- he doesn't have like a, a huge visual flair for right. in his films. Uh, there's you know I, I the camera barely moves, but but he did he was so good about capturing human emotion and um and and all that. So. Yeah, kind of makes me want to watch that one again. Or uh, actually, Ashby's another one of those two where I don't I haven't seen all of it, but there's like you said, I think you rattled off is almost his whole filmography there, and I was like, there's three or four that I haven't seen that I'm like. I really want to dole those out slowly because yeah. I, I don't want to get to the end of that and have none left to watch. Um, yeah, no, he's he's really like kind of underrated, I think, in a lot of ways. Well, what uh, what challenge do we have in front of us for next time? So the next episode is going to come out, I think, either right in the middle of or right at the start of the Cannes Film Festival. And it got me thinking, I don't want to be too narrow because I was looking at like, oh, let's do Palme d'Or winners or something from the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that's a very short list of stuff there, too. And then um, so I was like something con related movies that premiered at con con premieres like a ton of movies have premiered there. And if you go back and look at the list or if anybody goes back and looks at the list, there's some real oddballs <laughs> at premiered at con that you're like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, why was this premiered at con? And so it's fair game. As long as it premiered at the con film festival, it is fair game for our very next watch challenge. So we'll celebrate a little bit of the current con film festival by talking about films that have premiered at the con film festival. What is it? The, the cross set. Is that what they call it? Or the, when they say, uh, Oh yes. It premieres at the cross set. 
So, yeah, we will be uh, trying that out and uh, see what we come up with. And uh, we'll talk soon, Mike. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.